Amen. <clears throat> you telling her to preach or me? I don't know which after that. Wow. I think she was preaching. Amen. That was good right there. Well, amen. Take your Bible. Turn over to the book of Isaiah chapter 26. Isaiah chapter 26. Secrets of successful living. And uh, so that's our series. And uh, we thought we'd give you a reminder about the uh, series coming up on Sunday, uh, uh, Sunday night as well. But tonight it's Secrets of Successful Living. And <laughs> the guys had weighed in the balance up there. I just thought I would try to smooth that out, smooth it over a little bit. See, they're trying to remind you, don't forget about that series. But tonight we're on Secrets of Successful Living. Many of you were turning to your Bibles, though. You didn't get that, right? Okay, but nonetheless... Isaiah chapter 26, we're going to begin reading verse 1, we're going to begin, uh, we're going to continue through verse 4. Again, we started this last week and uh, we're talking about how to experience perfect peace. And um, I, I mean, it's, it's a challenge at times, is it not? It's very difficult at times and yet we're going to see biblically and scripturally that we have a promise toward that end and uh, boy, that's something we need desperately uh, in the world in which we live. So Nonetheless, let's begin reading in the book of Isaiah, chapter 26, beginning in verse 1. The Bible says, In that day shall this song be sung in the land of Judah. Now, again, we mentioned this last week, and I think it's important that we once again remind ourselves. I'm sorry, I take my keys out of my car. I love my car so much, I don't even want to get rid of the keys. <clears throat> See, I appreciate that very much. That was wonderful. Thank you again. All right, so anyway, uh, I, I, but... but uh, you know, so here, right in the beginning, we see here in that day. Now, uh, I wonder, uh, can anybody tell me what in that day is, what it's referring to? Okay. Anybody? The day of the Lord. The day of the Lord that's right. Which, which in, you know, points to the millennial reign of Christ. And so what it's saying is this is a prophetical passage. And yet it's going to have a very practical application for you and I. And so what it's saying really is that in that day, in that day, in the millennium, back when once we've gotten through all this mess, once all the, you know, Israel is restored back in the land, once Israel is once again placed in their position or, or the, where they belong in the promised land and Christ alone is on the throne of David and all of that, he says, now in that day, this song will be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. Salvation will got a point for walls and bulwarks. Open ye the gates, that the righteous nation which keepeth the truth may enter in. Again, now remember that although this is prophetical, it also has a very practical meaning in its day, when it was written. Because every scripture has three applications. Of course, every scripture has a historical application. It has a prophetical application. And it has an inspirational application. And so we're going to note here a very important inspirational application for you and I tonight as the Bible continues on and says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Verse 4 says, Trust ye in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. Now we took the time last week to begin to kind of lay a foundation for the passage and the message and and um, we, we, we noted a couple things about Israel. We, we kind of journeyed through the book of Isaiah somewhat, and we found or we noted their sad state. And we said, boy, they were, they, were, they were truly rebellious toward the Lord. We noted that in chapter 1 already. They, they were forgetful toward God, neglectful toward God. Uh, we saw that they forsook the Lord and they provoked the Holy One unto anger, the Bible tells us. 
Now listen, this was a very sinful nation. They were weighed down with sin. They were evildoers. They were corruptors, the Bible tells us. Now, theirs was a sad state. But also, we noted their specific sins. And in the book of Isaiah chapter 24, we noted that they transgressed the law. Basically, this nation had gone too far. They had passed over and beyond the moral and ethical limits that God himself had established or set. Not only that, but they had changed the ordinances. And again, an ordinance is something that's an established rite or a ceremony. And what we're basically saying is that what what once was considered right was now wrong. What was good is now evil. We recognized here that it's, it's a very dangerous thing when people take it upon themselves to redefine God's word. That's, that's a bad place to be. It's a very scary place to be. Not only that, but they had broken the everlasting covenant. Well, God and, and Israel had entered into a very important covenant, an ever, a, a, a very unique covenant, and yet they did not follow through with their end of the bargain. Now, let me tell you something. When God enters into a covenant, I want you to know he keeps his side. If ever there's a failure in a covenant between you and God, it's not God that failed, it would be you. If I enter into a covenant with God, I promise you, it won't be God that fails, it will be me. And in this particular case, it is Israel that has failed. They have failed to follow through with their end of the bargain. And as a result, it says in the passage that we found over there in the book of Isaiah chapter 24 that they had broken the everlasting covenant. And as a result of that, we note their scary situation. We said, boy, in Isaiah 24, 12, in in the city is left desolation and the gate is smitten with destruction. Isaiah 24, 17, fear and the pit and the snare are upon thee. Wow. I mean to tell you, they're in a mess. And so what we realized was that this promise that we find in verse 3, thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee, was given to Israel in the darkest period of their history. One of the most darkest hit points of their, their, their national history, God steps up to the plate and says, listen, although everything is a mess, although everything is awry, I want you to realize that I still have a promise for you. You can have perfect peace if your mind will remain stayed on me. Wow. And so we learn that there is no promise anywhere in the Bible, anywhere in the Bible that teaches or causes us to believe that while we are here on this earth and in these bodies, that we can experience freedom from trouble. Matter of fact, we, from other messages that have been preached and passages that have been shared, we know without a doubt that man is born into trouble as the sparks fly upward. But there is something far better, really. There's a promise of peace in the midst of trouble. I know if it was up to me, I want to avoid all trouble. Man, I don't want no hurt and I don't want heartaches. And I'll be honest with you, as a believer, we need to recognize the fact that it's often in those times that we really grow the most. But in our flesh, we really want to distance ourselves from any real trouble or problems. But you know what? It's in the midst of those problems, those troubles, those trials, those difficulties that God himself will reveal himself in a way that he 
can only do so in the midst of. What value would freedom from trouble be if there were no inward peace? I mean, what if you were free from trouble, but you still had no peace in your life? I mean, what if you had all the money you needed and there was never really an issue, your health was fine, but down deep, there's still something missing. And by the way, I want you to realize, and I think you know this already, that the truth is, is man is born with a vacuum or born with, with, a, with a missing part. You know, that part's the Lord Jesus Christ. People are searching for something to fill the void constantly and continually. And the fact is, is that they're not going to find it outside of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, they can be very successful in this life. And, and there's nothing wrong with being successful. They can, they can attain to great uh, heights and achieve tremendous goals. And there's nothing wrong with all of those things. But may I say that if that is the means by which you hope to fill the void that exists in your life, you'll be a miserable failure. Because only Christ can fill that void. He is the only one that can. So what value would freedom from trouble be if there was no inward peace? But how wonderful. How wonderful is it that in the midst of the fiercest battle, the greatest storms, if a soul will trust on the Lord Jesus Christ, they can experience inward peace. They can experience a deep calm, a quiet confidence He says, thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. See, there's nothing like like staying the mind on God. If you stay the mind on anything else, then you, you really can't have perfect peace for that something else may likely fail and will most likely fail. The passage again states that thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. You know, I I just thought of this, but when I was playing baseball, and even as a youngster, I remember that sometimes, you know, we got to a particular point in in H-League ball or whatever it was. Well, even when we was in T-ball, we got to steal and stuff, but but I know today they don't do that kind of stuff. But, but when we were in what was called H-League, eight, nine, and ten-year-olds, you began to really experience what it was like to get a lead-off or steal a base, you know. And, of course, the object in baseball is to get to the base or to hit a home run or to score runs, we know. But when you get on base, a lot of times a coach may want you to steal second. And I still remember, uh, and, and if you weren't going to steal, say you weren't super fast, they still wanted you to take a lead-off. So the base, first base is there, and you're on first, and, and say, for instance, back there is, is home plate, and down there is second, and over there is third, and, and so here you are, you're, you're facing the pitcher, my back's to you, unfortunately, and so here's the first base, and you're supposed to take a lead off, and so you take a lead off, you get away from the base. Let me tell you something, I, I never felt comfortable when I wasn't stayed on first. And I never had peace once I got a lead off. Now, of course, you know I have cat-like reflexes. But when I was a little younger, I wasn't quite as developed, you know what I mean? 
Some would say it never did develop. But still, the fact is, is that I would take a lead off and you're like, hey, you know, you're like, whoa. And then the pitcher, he's like, he looks over his shoulder and you know how they are, they're like, throw it back to first, try to catch you. And I remember diving back to first. My coach would be like, stretch it out, stretch it out. You know, first base coach, get out there, get out there. Make him worry you're going to steal. And I'm thinking, dude, if I steal, I'm out. I was never super fast, you know. And so I still remember if I was off the base, I wasn't stayed on first. I never experienced any peace. I was always worried something bad was going to happen. That will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. Now, how many soldiers have found strength and hope and, you know, to keep on going, whether it's during some kind of training or maybe even in battle, because of a girlfriend or a wife back home? Now, I was in the military, and I remember even going to training and during what we called boot camp, basic training. You know, all these different guys from around the country gather together, and I still remember many of them, they'd talk about things at home, and they'd think about their mama's cooking, they'd consider and talk about that soft bed that they had back there, the fact that they could sleep in, and you know what I found a lot of times, though? There was a guy who was like, man, I got me a girl back home. Man, that, something about that, that just kind of, they, they just, every time, you know, I still remember, you know, they're, they're, they're in the midst of some difficulty or some problem that we're dealing with, facing some, we're in a, you know, a 20 mile hike with our big old backpacks on and it's crushing your neck and you got a big old headache and it's just pounding in your head and you know where you're going? Back to that thing which your mind has stayed on. In this case, in many cases, it was a girlfriend or some other person. They're like, man, I can't wait to get back, see my girl, see my wife. Remember this one guy, he, he had a girlfriend. He was doing pretty good. He's just like the rest of us. You know, he's following through with everything. He's doing a pretty good job. He got a letter one day. And in that letter, his girlfriend basically told him, I'm done with you. I started dating your friend. <laughs> Dumped him right there in a letter. It was about a night after that, I walked into the showers about two or three in the morning, and there he lay on the floor with his wrist cut. He had lost all hope. He had no peace. You see, he had put his mind, he had, he had stayed his mind on that girl, and, and she's the one that kept giving him the strength to get through. She's the one that he depended on to help him fight through the difficulties because he focused his mind on her. He kept stayed on her. The only problem is there's not a person in this world that you can stay your mind on. There's not a thing in this world you stay your mind on that can, you can guarantee will continue to provide you peace strength or comfort except for Jesus himself. Obviously, it isn't the condition of the body, but the condition of the mind that matters most if we hope to experience perfect peace then. I mean, it's, it isn't the circumstances, but the communion that matters most. It's, it isn't the fortune of a man, but the focus of a man that ultimately determines whether he experiences perfect peace or not. That's true in a man's life. It's true in a woman's life. It's true in a young person's life. In the book of Psalm, chapter 20, verse 7 and 8, the Bible says, Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God 
<laughs> they are brought down and fallen, but we are risen and stand upright. Boy, if you trust in horses or in chariots, horses may tire. Chariot wheels may ultimately fall off. But the person that trusts in the Lord will dwell in perfect peace. So, what about this great blessing that's offered to us, this perfect peace? Well, let's take a few moments and consider it tonight in these last few moments of the night. It seems that my introductions last as long as the message, it seems, these days. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, we come to you. We thank you again for this time together. We desperately need you. Thank you for the simplicity of your word. Lord, may you be glorified now. Help us to find the recipe down the road for perfect peace. Even tonight, help us to be encouraged by the message. And may we realize, Lord, that you are only, you are the only one that can give us this perfect peace. And our mind must be stayed on you, focused on you continually. Well, thank you in Christ's name. Amen. It's described as perfect peace. You see that in the Bible? God didn't just say, I'm going to give you peace. He says, I'll give you perfect peace. I I don't know about you, but that seems to be a pretty important fact. What is perfect peace? How do we define it then? Well, basically, it's a condition or a, a, a freedom from any kind of disturbance within the soul. It's perfect harmony, if you will. It's perfect harmony reigning within our lives. And in our hearts and souls. The Hebrew word shalom, it it has the idea of soundness of health. So when we talk about being filled with perfect peace, we're talking about being spiritually healthy. And free from all discord within the body and within the soul, I should say. Spurgeon, he notes that this peace in the original is shalom, shalom. Not just peace but double peace, perfect peace. See, there can't be any room for jealousy in our life. There can't be any room for envy or discontentment or uncontrolled temper or pride or intolerance in the soul at all. If if we're going to be filled with this peace, then those things cannot exist. Those things, if you will, they contribute to anything but peace. They disturb the heart. You know, we could take a moment and we could kind of consider the, the, the piano. And you, you talk about things that are in harmony. And we could sit down, we could play a, a C chord. Boy, that's in harmony. But then we could go. You hear the difference? See, the problem is within our hearts, often it's the second chords. There's disturbance within us. Those are are not in perfect harmony. And the truth is, is that often in our lives, if we'd be honest, we don't experience the perfect harmony either. And that's what God wants for us, perfect harmony. But instead, many times there's that discordant notes that seem to be rising up from our souls. The peace which God offers... And again, it's a peace that's only made possible by the grace of God. 
is very practical tonight. It's something that you and I desperately need in our lives. And it is a great calm. And we see that evidenced and we see it demonstrated in the book of Mark chapter 4. Remember when they're out on the the sea and the the wind and the waves kick up and the, the disciples are fearful for their very lives. And Jesus steps up to the plate and he arose, the Bible says in verse 39, and he rebuked the wind and he said unto the sea, peace, be still. I don't believe that day that Jesus took his place on the bow of that boat and he looked out and said, peace, be still. I don't think he did that. I think he simply spoke. I think he did exactly what he did in Genesis chapter 1 when he created the universe and he created the earth and he created all things therein. He simply spoke. Peace be still. And may I say that it will be a calm, still voice that you hear in your heart when perfect peace arrives. He says it's perfect peace. In what sense is it perfect? Well, it's perfect in quality. In quality. What that means, basically, or what we're trying to say is that it's just perfect in the kind of peace that it is. Because, see, there's an imperfect peace, too. We kind of touched on it already, but there's the imperfect peace of ignorance. I mean, can you imagine that, you know, we, okay, when we imagine that everything is fine... When in fact it's not, then really that's an imperfect peace. If our eyes were truly open to see the truth, then we would know that things aren't really so well. And in Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 14, the Bible says, They have healed also the hurt of the daughter of my people, saying, uh, slightly saying, Peace, peace, when there is no peace. It's interesting that in Israel's history, there were those prophets and those men of God, supposedly, who said, man, listen, peace, peace, don't worry about the Chaldeans, don't you worry about Babylon, don't worry about your enemies. Oh, God would never allow that to happen. He'd never allow them to take over, he'd never allow them to have victory over you. You're his people. They're the vile, they're the wretched, they're the wicked. You're God's people. Oh, well, praise God. That's imperfect peace of ignorance there. You know, it's the ignorance that Schultz on Hogan's Heroes has. I see nothing. I hear nothing. He closes his eyes to the truth, right? That's not a perfect peace that he has. He's still waiting to go to the Russian front every day. (laughs) Fortunately, he's got about as sharp a commanding officer as he is a sergeant. (laughs) Well, I don't clink. I'll tell you, I bet you if you fought in World War II, you probably hated that show with a passion, especially if you were in a concentration camp. But boy, for us that was never there, it is pretty funny. The imperfect peace of ignorance. Not only that, but the imperfect peace of stagnation. You say, whoa, 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 what do you mean by that? Well, take a pool of water, and it can look and appear to be extremely calm and peaceful, but underneath, it's green and it's slimy. Have you ever stepped into a 
what seems to be a perfectly clean and just beautiful little stream or pond, and you step in it and it's like, ooh. You know, you ever been there? Sure you have. And then all it takes is a little bit of trouble. You just kind of shake your foot just a little bit, and all of a sudden, it just, all the water's nasty already. You know what the problem is, is that that's how sometimes we are. We think, boy, everything's going just fine, but the problem is, is that the moment a day of trouble shows up in our life, the moment that we face God for judgment one day and realize that things weren't exactly like we had convinced ourselves. There'll be no real peace then. See, it's, it's a false peace. It's an imperfect peace. And then there's the imperfect peace of dependence. I mean, when you begin to depend on something or someone other than the Lord Jesus Christ, it, it, it's a mess. People go by the wayside. Friends depart and leave. People, as we, they say, and when I was growing up, stab you in the back. I mean, parents pass on. Family members and friends move away. We depend on people. We depend on things. I've got a great job. I've got security. And all of a sudden, they shut their doors. I'm just saying that, that sometimes if we're not careful of this imperfect piece of dependence, we somehow if, kind of believe some, that, that, that what we have in this life guarantees us or, or ensures us this, this peace, this tranquility that we now have. But it only takes one thing, and all of a sudden we lose it all. Isn't it amazing how many young people are tempted to take their lives today simply because a boyfriend or a girlfriend dumps them? It's amazing. We're raising a generation of very weak people mentally. It's sad, isn't it? How many lose a job today and all of a sudden we, we hear crazy things. I mean, look at this recently. We had this horrible shooting that took place. And they say that there was no reason why the gentleman should have gone in and to the workplace and done what he did, but we don't really know exactly why. Now, I haven't heard what the psychologists and others have said, but he hadn't been fired, apparently. He hadn't been let go. But for some reason, he walks in and shoots and kills a number of people. What in the world's going on in our world? I'll guarantee you, people aren't experiencing perfect peace. You put your trust in anyone or anything other than the Lord Jesus Christ. You stay your mind on anyone or anything other than him. My friend, there's potential for true tragedy in your life. Perfect peace, perfect peace can only be found when our mind is stayed on him. Now, again, we said that it's perfect in quality, but it's also perfect in quantity, this perfect peace. I mean, what we're saying is, is that it's sufficient. This perfect peace is sufficient. It, it, it meets our needs exactly to specification. It fulfills our need completely. It doesn't leave any stone unturned. Again, that idea here in the passage is not just when it says perfect peace, it's that peace, peace, shalom, shalom. And again, that's kind of significant. Turn, if you would, to Philippians chapter 4, verse 7. Look at Philippians chapter 4, verse 7. It's a double peace. I don't know about you, but I really like that when it comes to pie. Double peace. 
you guys are out of it tonight. I think I've lost you way back. You know, not one, but double. I want two. I want double peace. Okay. All right, whatever. We'll close in prayer shortly because obviously you're already asleep. <laughs> Philippians chapter 4, verse 7. Notice what it says. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Isn't it interesting here? It'll keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. It's that peace, peace, that double peace. Now, think about this for a minute. It's double in the sense that we have peace with God. When you stay your mind on Him, you have peace with God. In Romans 5, 1, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We've been born again. We've been bought and paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ. Man, I mean to tell you, we are, we are at peace with a God. We're at peace with God now. And only the, only, only the sacrifice of Calvary can do that. Only the grace of God is capable of guaranteeing us that peace, peace with God. But not only do we have that peace, but again, as Philippians 4, 7 said, uh, it says, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding. We have p- the peace of God too now. We have a double peace. Not only are we in that sense, we, we're at peace with God, but, we're, but uh, we are at peace We have the peace of God, with God, of God. So that means that not only do you have peace with God, the Heavenly Father, the creator of the universe, but now you have his peace with you. You now can experience peace as a result of him, the peace of God. Now, I don't know about you, but do you think God lays awake at night worrying? I don't think he does. He says here, and the peace of God, which passes all in standards, shall keep your hearts and minds. Man, I want the peace of God. I want his kind of peace. I want his level of peace. I mean, he's all powerful. He's all knowing. He's, he's all omniscient and, and omnipresent. He's everything. I mean, he's everywhere and he knows everything and he doesn't worry about stuff. I know he's got a lot on his shoulders. He's God, but let me tell you something. He's, he's got broad enough shoulders to handle it. And you know what happens when our minds aren't stayed on him? All of a sudden, we start putting everything on our shoulders. And I don't know about you, but when I start putting everything on my shoulders, I get a little fearful. I become, I become concerned that I might not be able to stand underneath the weight, that I might be crushed by the, 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 the weight of the world. But boy, I'll tell you what, he never has to worry about that. I want his peace. I want his peace. I want to go to bed and go, I want the peace of God. You know what? It's a perfect, it's, it's perfect as we said already in, in quality. It's perfect in quantity, but it's also perfect in consistency. The one thing about God's peace is that it doesn't have to be off and on or intermittent. His perfect peace is consistent. Now, when we're not experiencing perfect peace, Okay, let's just, let's just do the reverse of the passage. If we, we take the simple passage that we're given and we simply read it. Thou shalt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. If my mind is stayed on my, 
my God. I have perfect peace. What do you think I have if it's not stayed on him? Something other than perfect peace, right? I mean, it's, it's pretty simple. If, if Mark O'Donnell is not experiencing the perfect peace that's promised in the word of God, as I said earlier, is it really God's fault or is it mine? Whoa, 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 let's, 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 somehow we just missed something here. I, I, I'm used to hearing somebody go, amen. No amens there, it got real quiet. Because listen, we war with this one, don't we? If you only knew what I was going through, if you only knew what I had to deal with, if you only understood the weight of the burden that I have, you, you don't know what I'm dealing with physically, you don't know what I'm dealing with it financially, you don't understand what I'm dealing with in my, 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 my life, my marriage, my home, my children. Oh, whoa, 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 wait, listen, everybody's got them. What's the promise about? The promise is to offer you something that the world can never give you. And God is saying to Israel, he's saying, I don't care how far you've traveled from me. It doesn't matter how horrible the circumstance and the situation is. You don't have two nickels to rub together, Israel. You don't have any food to put in your children's bellies. You don't have a roof over your heads. you got a nation that's falling apart all around you. But I guarantee you, if you'll stay your mind on me, you're going to have perfect peace. And we'll go around and we'll blame somebody, God, for our, for our lack of peace. We'll say, God, if you would just fix my car so that it would run and I wouldn't have to worry about how I'm getting to work, I could have some peace. God, if you would only fix my marriage, if you would only fix my kids, if you would only fix my circumstances, then, then, God, I'd be fine. But you don't do anything for me. Now, we won't say that out loud. But subtly, we will blame God for the fact that we do not have this perfect peace but I can guarantee you, biblically and scripturally, that if you will stay your mind on him, if I will stay my mind on him, and I'm going to tell you this, I don't always do that. I war with this. I struggle with perfect peace at times. I have to deal with that myself. I have to get alone with God, and I have to say, God, I, I am not where I belong with you. My mind is not stayed on you. It's more focused on my problems it's more focused on people. It's more focused on the issues of the day. I'm finding myself concerned for tomorrow. Why? Because my mind's not stayed on him. And you know what? If that's true about me, I guarantee it's true about many of you. Because listen, we're all human here. But wait a second. Let's at least not be so ignorant to somehow think that God's responsible for my peace through circumstance that he owes me something better. If he wants me to be at peace, then he has to provide me things that I believe will make me peaceful. God doesn't operate that way. You know what God's ultimate goal is? He's not as worried about whether or not, Cody, you have a nice house when you get older. That's not what he's concerned about. You know what he's most concerned about? Whether or not your mind is stayed on him. So what he might do is he might stir the water in your life to force you to look up instead of out. And it may not be a good job, David, that God's most concerned about. Oh, I want David to make a lot of money. I want David to be comfortable. I want David to... No, what he wants is David's mind stayed on him. You want the perfect peace, you have to do things God's way. You've got to focus your attention on him. If I want God's perfect peace, I've got to focus on him. It is only found in when I have my mind stayed on him. I've got to get on base and I've got to stay there. I can't wander off the base because I'll get picked off. I can't wander off the base because I'm going to get out. The fact is, is that most Christians aren't stayed on him. 
Our minds aren't stayed on him. He's not saying you can't walk away from the church house and go to, to a job. He's not saying that you don't have the opportunity to go to school and get an education and you have to be somewhere ge- ge- geographically speaking. He's saying, though, your mind better be stayed on me, whether it's in the church house, whether it's in the school house, whether it's in the state house. It don't matter where it's at. You want perfect peace. You better have your mind stayed on me. That's what he's saying. And that's what we need to do. So anytime I fail to have perfect peace, it is not God's fault. It's somehow I got off base. I've gotten off base. My mind has not stayed on him. I'm not focused on him. My communion is not what it ought to be because my circumstances are controlling me now. My problems reign in my life, not the person, Jesus. And so... It's always the same remedy. Draw nigh to me and I'll draw nigh to you. Get back on base. Focus your mind, your attention, your focus on him. That's the only place we'll find perfect peace. Whether it's in the midst of a terminal disease or illness, whether it's in the midst of a tragedy in our lives, it doesn't matter what it is. There'll be no perfect peace in our life until our mind is stayed on him. Not the problem, but him. Not the circumstance, but him. Not the people around us, but him. You say, do you know that perfect peace all the time? No. I'm not going to stand up here and lie to you. I will not stand up here and lie to you. But I can guarantee you one thing. I know that when I'm not experiencing it, it's because I'm not on base. And I better get my mind focused on him, stayed on him, not wavering, not getting off and on, not being there when it's convenient and, not, and, then, when, and, then, and then being there when it is. No, just always stayed on him. And the moment I can focus on him and see his face and I can stay focused on the Lord and he's bigger than my problems, all of a sudden, it's amazing how he speaks to my heart. And I find a peace that passeth all understanding. And that's what God wants for all of us. A perfect peace. Father, we come to you. We thank you again just for the simplicity of your word and just for the time that we had to gather tonight and just to consider these things. Lord, we need you now. We love you. And we just ask that you would be glorified in our lives. And again, Lord, each of us as human beings struggle. I I would imagine, I I would imagine most, if not all, struggle with this. I know my own life, I, I, I constantly have to recalibrate and direct my focus to you and stay my mind on thee because I find myself being distracted away and Lord I, I know in my heart that it's you I need and yet sometimes I find that my circumstances and the situation have a tendency to take preeminence and I pray that for each of us tonight we would just stay our minds on you we'd get back on base if we've gotten off base and if we're on it may we not vacillate may we not get off at all stay right there on the base continue to focus on you and to commune with you, to fellowship with you so faithfully and so consistently and constantly in our minds. May we never, ever take our minds off you. Bless us and help us, Lord. We need you. Be with your people. In Christ's name, amen. Let's all